I just wanted to really quickly review some key points when it comes to family-centered care. Um, the thing that I really want you to be focused on for this exam is to think about the developmental uh, milestones that kids go through and kind of be able to relate that back to nursing care. Now, just a reminder, family-centered care encompasses like you are the key elements is that the family is central, that they get unrestricted access to the patient, that they, you know, we are always trying to minimize separation from family Although that doesn't mean that both parents have to be there around the clock. You have to kind of be diligent in making sure that you're giving each parent breaks or that you're thinking about work-life balances, that you're not promoting caregiver role strain. Um, we're trying to reduce and minimize the fear of bodily harm that many kids kind of experience. And um, so that means like if you are... Um, what you know, what types of things might kids be scared of? What kind of things do they, they are very literal thinkers. They're literal communicators. And so if you say you're going for a CAT scan, they're going to think, okay, a cat's going to scan my body. Um, I was just telling another student, like Everett had a good example of magical thinking and literal communication the other day. He was in the back of my car and um, found an old bottle of water and he was drinking it and he looked at me and said, what kind of water is this? And I looked at him and saw what he was drinking and grabbed it out of his hand. And I said, don't drink that. It's old. It, that's old water. And he gasped and said, oh, is this going to make me old? And, you know, that's how he is in that stage where, number one, he thinks he's a very literal communicator. He, I told him it's old water. He thinks, oh, my gosh, this is now going to make me old. And it's that element also of magical thinking where he thinks that the water possesses some ability to magically transform him into an old man. Um, and so you have to take that into consideration when you think about this child's um, fear of bodily injury and that things are going to hurt them, that if you say, I'm going to stick your arm, I'm going to stick this blood pressure cuff on your arm to them, that's very scary. And um Whereas an adult or like an adolescent uh, kid, teenager, who's, you know, 15, 16, 17, that's where you are not going to, you're not going to necessarily have that separation anxiety from your parents. You don't really care about your parents at that time. Now, a little kid, a two, three, four, five-year-old is going to care a lot about their their parents. Um so they're going to want their parents with them. That's how they kind of feel safe and their identity is wrapped up in that relationship. But by the time you turn into a 13, 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, especially 17-year-old and you're angsty and you're hormonal, you don't really care about your parents uh, as much. And you kind of, you know, you need them there. You need them there. But you don't necessarily, your identity isn't wrapped up in them. Where your identity is wrapped up is your social group, your peers, and so the real problems that you're dealing with from as a nurse with family-centered care and, you know, thinking about that developmental stage is you're thinking a lot more about social isolation, anxiety and depression, um, maintaining communication with their friend groups because that's so important for them. And they really will go through a grieving process and a loss of identity, and that will create its own set of problems. And so if they're able to have visitors, if they're able to maintain communication through text message, then they need to be doing that. Um, let me think what else. Okay, so 
other ways to minimize, you know, this concept of bodily harm and your magical thinkers that little smaller kids is, um, you know, there's certain things that we don't have to do. We don't have to, um, do, and we don't have to do venipuncture. We can do hill sticks. We, you know, sometimes capillary blood works much, uh, it's just as good as venous blood or arterial blood. And it tells us the same information. Um, sometimes we don't have to give medications IM. Sometimes we can give them IV if the patient already has an IV. Um, there are certain therapies that will minimize, uh, the, you know, perception of pain. Like there's a therapy called Buzzy the Bee and you can give, you can put Buzzy the Bee on and it's a, like basically a, it vibrates, causes like vibration at the site of an injection. And so it will um, disrupt the nerve pathways so that they can't sense pain. So if you put Buzzy the Bee on and then they're also looking, they are very unlikely to experience IV pain at all. Um, so there's things like that, although you would never want to say like, you're, this is not going to hurt at all. You want to be realistic and you want to prepare them appropriately. It's really important that you use developmentally appropriate language. So um, there are words that a five-year-old, a three-year-old are not going to understand. If they were going for imaging, they need to be told in a, they don't need to be given a whole bunch of lead time. You don't need to make it scary. Your parents can't come with you. Um, you're going to be all alone in this big box. That's scary. That would be really scary for a three or four year old kid. But what you can say is we need to take some pictures of your brain. We have this big camera and it takes a whole bunch of pictures and we're going to get to see your brain from these pictures. Here, let me show you what it looks like. Here's a picture of what the what this looks like. And you can kind of show them those things so that they're then interested and excited. And then you say, oh, you know, during this, you're going to, it might take a little bit and you're going to get to listen to music and the machine's loud, but it's not scary. And your mommy can hold your hand the whole time. I mean, there's just certain things that, um, you can present it in a way that isn't scary to them, but still preparing them. Um, honestly for what to expect. And that needs to be developmentally appropriate. Now, a 17-year-old or a 15-year-old, if you say, we're going to take a lot of pictures of your brain and your mommy's going to hold your hand, then they're going to be like, please get out of my room. <laughs> so um, yeah, just kind of be cognizant of how you're presenting information. Um, I think that that's all I want to say about family-centered care. Oh, the last thing I want to say is that... Um, with family-centered care, one of the things is, you know, loss of control. We need to minimize that and promote schedules. We want to maintain, like, whatever schedule they're normally on to the the most that we possibly can and optimize their normal schedule. So if they're usually learning from 8 to 10 and then they take a nap or if they are only allowed to watch two hours of TV or they have lunch at 11 a.m. and then they go to bed at 5 p.m. or that's really early, 7 p.m. every day. We want to maintain that as much as possible and we can do that. Um, and then there are certain choices that they can make to help them regain that sense of control, but those need to be appropriate. We would never want to say, do you want your, you know, chemotherapy right now? Do you want your chemotherapy? Do you want your lunch? No, we're going to say, do you want to watch your show before or after lunch? And um, just kind of frame choices in a way that's developmentally appropriate. And then um, would you rather have, you know, 
oranges or an apple for lunch? Would you rather have milk or water? Um, again, just those types of choices are helpful. Um, now, a teenager, really, they should have a lot of say in their care. They should be involved in, you know, decisions that are being made. Um, if they're a minor, ultimately, they they are kind of subjugated to what their parent or guardian says, but um, they should be involved in the plan of care, and the nurse can definitely advocate for that as much as possible. Um, that's all I want you to kind of focus on for family-centered care. Again, there's only six questions on this exam about that content. Um, and so really think about, as you learn about pediatric cancers, how family-centered care would get factored into those different therapies and treatments and um, you know diagnoses that you may experience.